Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, helping you decrease your time spent creating content by up to 50% while doubling your online engagement. Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts, Jeffrey L. Cohen, Director of Content Strategy at Oracle Marketing Cloud, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm very excited as always. This is Randy Frisch here from Uberflip. I've got Jeff Cohen by my side from Oracle Marketing Cloud. And in a moment or two, we'll introduce our guest in more detail. That's Michael Brenner, who's truly one of those guys who's not just a thought leader, not just a practitioner. He's he's out there doing both. And you know, Jeff will tell you a little bit more about his background, as will Michael. But you know, we always get to start off content pros by digging into a stat that Jeff or I have found out there. And you know, Jeff, why don't why don't you share the one we were talking about? Well, thanks, Randy. Great to be here for another episode of Content Pros. And we're gonna dive right in with a stat about something that we do, we don't really talk about very much here on Content Pros. It's the idea of paid promotion or advertising to support your content marketing efforts. And so the most effective means of paid advertising for B2B marketers, 55% said search engine marketing is the thing that is most effective. So what do, what do you think of that, Randy? Yeah, you know, first of all, I mean, I think that one comes from the Content Marketing Institute report. It's a B2B report looking at, you know, the state of content going into 2016. And, you know, one of the biggest things I think it's trying to call out when you look at that stat in more detail is that people are now starting to turn to paid which is you know, somewhat new to some of us. I think for a while, a lot of us had this vision as, as we were tacking earlier, that content's so pure and, and that it's you know, the best way to bring people inbound and we don't even have to pay anymore. But that's obviously not the case. I mean, maybe earlier on when there was very little content out there, maybe you know, we could count on being the content that was found, but now we've got to be more strategic about it. You know, it's and it's no different than a lot of the other social platforms that we had out there as distribution channels on their own once, right? If early on, you know, the the early adopters of say Twitter or Facebook, they obviously did very well because they were standing out in the crowd. Now everyone is creating great social ex- experiences, and the same thing is true with content. So I think this is part of. You know, one of the things we always talk about here on Content Pros is, you know, content marketing is getting more sophisticated, it's getting more mature, and we need to start to think about it as one of our, you know, basic tactics for marketing as an individual. And when you start to approach it from that perspective, absolutely, I think it makes perfect sense that people are starting to look at effectiveness of channels. I think one of the areas that you and I are definitely confused on is what are the differences in terms of the channels out there? Um, I don't know if you've actually 
taken any stabs, Jeff, at, you know, through some of the roles that you've had in the past of actually using a paid channel for your content. But I'm wondering if you could, you know, maybe share one and how you chose that. Sure. Um, the main thing that we've been using from a paid perspective to help distribute our content are actually social ads. And it, it's one of those things where very different than than search engine marketing, as we're talking about. But this is how you get in front of targeted audiences on both Facebook and LinkedIn. And it performs really well because it's, it's in fact a way to get your content in front of an audience. They, you don't necessarily have yourself in, in your own, in your own database, in your own email list, uh, or even on your own social channels. And in fact, we're taking the approach of, we are actually advertising content directly. In other words, here's a good solid piece of content and here's a link to a landing page. So we are, we are actually paying, paying on social channels for leads. And it seems to be working because we're getting, we're getting people that we otherwise could not get in front of without that. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, at Uberflip here, we've, we've done some of the same. Um, you know, I think the most effective channel that we've seen ourselves from a social ad perspective for our content is actually LinkedIn. Um, you know, granted it's a very high cost acquisition, but the reality is that if we can do the right things, not just to get that person to click, but actually take them to an experience where they continue a journey, then absolutely we're actually seeing great attribution back to that, that engagement is something that led someone to be a lead and ultimately a customer. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, for you and, you know, is we can definitely dig in more with this with Michael and hear some of the experiences that he's had with some of his clients, but, you know, it does get very tricky out there in terms of all these different ways to promote our content. You know, there's other solutions out there like native advertising, which, you know, in theory feels like a social ad, but it's actually in line, you know, as a content placement on, you know, a third party content site, even a news site or something of that sort. Um, I, you know, have you ever had a chance to, to, to try any of those or, or, you know, is it a little overwhelming to pick those right experiences? Yeah, I, I have not, I have not used something like native advertising, but one of the things that you mentioned in the context of, of your own paid your own paid distribution is the idea of cost per lead. And really the way to evaluate all these things is to understand what it costs you, understand what you're getting and be able to compare that to all your, all your different channels, because otherwise, otherwise you really don't have a good sense of, of are these the things that you should be doing to distribute your content? So with, with that, we're going to introduce our guest today and our guest is Michael Brenner, who, as as Randy said, is a has been in the content marketing space for quite a while, working for some big company, small company. These days, he's the CEO of the Marketing Insider Group, and he's actually the co-author of the Content Formula. So, Michael, welcome to Content Bros. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you and Randy as well. So, just just to kind of kick this off. Let's let's get a current state of content marketing. When you when you go out and you talk to people and you meet with meet with clients and talk about your experience, what what does content marketing look like 
kind of at its at its highest level? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and I'm dying to chime in on the on the stats and the and the uh, paid side that you guys just talked about. I think it's important, but uh, yeah, just to take a step back, I mean, I think you know to sort of uh, reiterate the common language that our president usually uses in his State of the Union. I think the state of content marketing is pretty strong. The um, you know when when you and I started doing it, gosh, back what seven seven years ago, maybe even more. Um, you know, we were sort of uh, you know trying to convince the world that this was the future of marketing. And, um, you know, as, as brands tried to figure out what social really was and how do you create engaging content for social and, and, uh, you know, you were one of the leaders in that, in that conversation. And then content marketing became in many ways, the answer for that and creating customer focused content, um, became the answer for that. And as we've seen now, I think the latest stat I saw from, um, Mary Meeker was that we're, we're at 30, 32%. Um, of internet users are using ad blockers, and so, you know, we're we're now moving beyond the conversation. Of how do we create engaging content? To how do we how do we stop annoying our audience with paid ads? And and you know, we'll we'll kind of get into that. I think in the, in the question that you guys were just talking about, but um, all of those things, you know, marketing automation, the kind of technology that you sell at, at Oracle Marketing Cloud, all of those kinds of things, I think are are really focusing marketers on this real gap and this need to create customer-focused, effective content marketing programs. And so I think the state of content marketing is pretty strong. Having, having said that, if you'll, if you'll uh, um, allow me two quick challenges, I do think we have two challenges that we're still facing and probably will for the, for, you know, for the foreseeable future. One is the natural instinct of every business is to talk about itself. Um, and, and it's important to understand that is the natural instinct. You know, I'm a parent of four kids and I love to show, you know, show pictures on Facebook of how cute I think my kids are. Um, hopefully on Facebook, I, you know, people don't mind, but if, if I, all I did on Facebook was talk about how great I am, uh, and why people should buy my services from marketing insider group, I, I don't think that would be an effective way to engage people. Uh, so it is the natural instinct of us as individuals and humans and business people to talk about ourselves, but that gets in the way of the real, you know, I think the real, uh, point of content marketing to attract an audience with, you know, valuable thought leadership kind of content. Um, the second thing that gets in the way is camp is this, you know, what we've all sort of heard termed as the campaign mentality. And, and this kind of gets into the problem of pay that you were just talking about. So again, we'll, we'll kind of come back to this, but, um, you know, content marketing requires brands to act like publishers. Publishers don't sort of, you know, decide what they want to talk about. You know, they, they cover the, the topics that they commit to and they do so regularly and they commit to that. You know, CNN didn't wake up today and say, well, there's no, you know, there's no tragedies going on in Europe that we're, you know, so we're not going to cover Europe uh, news today. They, you know, they're covering stories from, you know, every angle for all the topics that they commit to. And, and every publisher does that and brand publishers are doing that as well. So breaking through those two challenges of, you know, the sort of natural desire to promote yourself and, the campaign sort of short term kind of mentality. I think those are the things that are still, you know, keeping us content marketers up at night. Before we get to the the paid question, I just want to comment about that campaign mentality a little bit and the idea of the idea of topic coverage and things like that. When I approach our content marketing and and the kinds of things we cover, it actually starts with while it certainly starts with the ideas related to the kinds of products we sell, it's really starting with the idea of how can we talk about these topics, these ideas, like marketing automation, for example, in a way that is helpful to 
to our prospects and to our customers and to our readers and people who find us on the internet. So it, it really is, I hadn't quite thought about it in, in strictly that manner of, of the idea of, yeah, we're not going to talk about our business. So what are we going to talk about? It, it has always seemed very obvious to me what kinds of things we're going to cover. It, it's almost like we have a marketing beat and we talk about stories of, we talk about stories in, in that realm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, let's, let's loop you into the paid conversation as, as we were talking earlier, it's, it's pretty important to create content and actually get it in front of people. Paid seems to be an important way to do that. What, what have you seen either what works or sort of starting at the high level conversations about paid distribution? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's. I could probably talk all day about this, so I'll try to. I'll try to be as, uh, as concise and clear as I can, um, and and maybe somewhat uh, understandable to the audience out there. But you know, it's like if you think about the traditional marketing approaches that we used to take, you know, you wouldn't ever ask an agency to create an amazing TV ad. Um, have them create that TV ad and then never put paid media behind it, right? So that's sort of the old way of thinking about you know traditional sort of marketing. And so as we've you know sort of matured into this content marketing discussion and content marketing has become such a hot topic for marketers, I, th I think it's somewhat interesting that um, you know we've forgotten that paid is is an effective way to reach audiences like like you were saying that you maybe don't already have access to or that aren't finding your website today or that you aren't connected with on social. Um, and so, you know, so the, uh, the stat that I always refer to people, which I always, I always find surprising. And every time I say it, I almost get surprised by it because, um, I think we, we forget that when we look at Hollywood movies and we hear that, a you know, a blockbuster costs 10 million or 50 or a hundred million dollars to make, you know, we, we don't realize, I, I never, I didn't realize until I saw the stat that 50% of that budget actually goes to paid distribution, the marketing of the movie. Um, and so this is, you know, if you assume Hollywood are, is great at pr producing great content, which I think they certainly in general are, are, you know, creating effective stories that people are willing to put, you know, pay money for to see, um, they're, they're spending 50% of their budget on paid distribution to reach an audience they wouldn't normally reach. And so I think as content marketers, we need to think of that, uh, in the same way, you know, so first we have to create great content that people want to read and watch and share. Uh, but second, we need to you know realize that if we build it, they're not just going to come. We have to spend some money, and and you know maybe fifty percent isn't the right number for everybody. But I think it's it's where I advise my clients to start thinking about you know how how do you split your dollar with content um, marketing, and and you know at least as you get more mature and you've built the engine that produces regular customer focused content, is to think about you know splitting your budget fifty percent into content creation, fifty percent into content promotion. Do you ever get any pushback from the the content marketing purists who say, "Well, you can't actually spend money." In, in other words, it is almost like the old the old social media purist. It's probably the same argument. How do you how do you respond to that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that um, it, I always like to put it in the in terms of of what are your other options. And so, for example, you know, you could you could spend your marketing budget if I'm talking to a CMO. You could spend your marketing budget on a banner ad that pisses me off, you know, that makes me angry as a potential customer of yours. Or you could spend some money on a piece of content that I would probably never find. 
Um, but if I saw that piece of content recommended to me on a website that I was already visiting or on a platform like LinkedIn or, or Facebook or Twitter that I was already using, um, and it was a piece of valuable, you know, customer focused, thought leadership, helpful content, um, you know, those are the options I think we're starting to see. And, uh, you know, as, as, as if I were a CMO, I certainly, certainly wouldn't, um, you know, certainly wouldn't recommend spending money on, on banner ads that are ignored by 99.99% of everybody. And those people that do see them are, are annoyed by it. Um, and you know, it's forcing this, this kind of, uh, rapid evolution of, of the downloading of, you know, uh, ad blockers and, and all kinds of other things. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think it's just a matter of what are your options, you know, create a great piece of content and, uh, uh and then measure the value of whether, you know, there's effectiveness in putting paid money behind it. So, Michael, you know, before we go deeper on this whole distribution discussion, I, it's a good time on the first part of your comment on, on thinking about the content that we're creating and making sure we have the right process and investment in that to speak to one of our sponsors. And that's a company called Clear Voice. And where the Clear Voice comes in is helping you find that freelance writer, helping you with a marketplace where you can find trending topics or influencers. And the Clear Voice Content Studio is the answer for that. Um, it's going to help you store all your brand guidelines, the keywords, the personas, all in one accessible space. So I encourage everyone to take a look at demo.clearvoice.com to take a look at that first piece of how do we create content? How do we have a process for that? And now we can kind of get back to, you know, maybe a question for you on this distribution process that we were talking about. And you know, everything that you're saying you know, makes so much sense. You know, I love that movie analogy. It's, it's so, it's so true. And, you know, I, I I'll be careful not to put too many ghostbuster uh, mentions here because by the time this podcast airs, that movie will probably be on, you know, on Netflix. But, um, but the reality is, is that, you know, we, we see that that's important, but in so many companies, there isn't that investment, as, as Jeff said. And I don't know if it's always the purest aspect. I'm wondering, to some degree, is it just the logistics? Are, you know, just as you you speak of these Hollywood, uh, you know, instances where people are collaborating to do this, have we thought yet about collaborating on, you know, distribution of content and payment around content, given that, you know, our content creators are the creative minds. They're not necessarily the ones focused on our demand gen budget. How have you seen companies maybe come together well to join forces on thinking about that? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really big question. Uh, it's a great one. And, and I, I do think that content marketers are struggling and, and I'm going to, I'm going to refer you to an example. Um, one of my really good friends is Luke Kintig over at Intel IQ and, and Intel IQ is, you know, probably one of the, one of the best examples of content marketing out there. And it's been around for quite a while. So it's a pretty mature platform. Um, Intel has done, I think, a great job of, of telling the story of innovation in, in really emotional ways and really in-depth, um, you know, journalistic type ways. Um, so they've created great stories and they've built a platform that they own that, that you could, you would think on its own would generate, you know, all the interest that they would ever want. Um, but what they found, was that uh, when they started to shift some of their creation budget into promotion, they were getting you know one plus one equal, equaled more than two, and and what I mean by that was, you know you can you can mo- you can measure the amount of of reach engagement and conversion you get from investing in let's say an additional article per day, 
or in promoting the articles you already have. And so Luke and, and his team at, at Intel started looking at and doing that analysis. Um, and what they found was that uh, by splitting the investment, so there's a mix question here, right? What's the right mix of investment into content creation versus promotion? Um, it gets back to that 50% on the movie stat. And, and what they found, and I don't know the exact percentage, but what they found was that when they shifted some of their creation budget into paid promotion, um, and interestingly, there's a there's a story in Digiday uh, where Luke was interviewed where he talked about um, all the analytics that they use to decide which content do they promote um, and how do they measure the success of that of that uh, investment dollar. Um, it's a pretty interesting article. I recommend it. You know, if you just search for I think Luke Kintig Intel Digiday, you'd find that article. So for your audience out there, um, but what's interesting in the article, he talks about the pain of the process. There's no like. You know, there's no DMPs or DSPs or, or you know, automated, real automated platforms for, for social promotion. There's a few that are coming up and, you know, I don't know if we, we want to mention them here, but uh, there are a few platforms that are trying to, um, to somewhat automate that process and make it easy for, a, you know, someone who's more of a journalist by background or someone who's just really trying to think about creating great content. How do they get that content distributed, um, not just on an individual platforms, but across all the platforms their audience might be using? Yeah, we're we're always good with plugs as long as it's not your own product, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so if I'm allowed, I mean, I will tell you, and I and I do advise my own clients. I mean, the first places I would look would be the easy ones, and that would be you know paid social on platforms where you already have a decent presence. So you know, we're talking LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter for um, the large majority of us. It might be Instagram or Pinterest or maybe even Snapchat if you're on the on the B two C side. Um, but uh, you know, and you have, you've got a lot of visual content. But just to, you know, test. Testing paid promotion on social platforms is a is a pretty simple way um, to start, you know, kind of dipping your toe in the water on paid promotion. Um, my uh, some of my favorite um, mechanisms are uh, these sort of recommendation tiles, like you might see with Outbrain or Taboola. So again, those are two competing companies, that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put a bias on one or the other. But um, I've seen uh, clients have a lot of success with utilizing those platforms. Um, there's also native ad networks like share through and Nativo where you can take articles that have already published on your own site and you can distribute them in a native ad format in a, on a publisher site. So they are somewhat programmatic. Um, and then the one, um, uh, site that I, I, I'm dying to test, but their, their minimum budgets are too high for me right now is a company called Zamanta, uh, Z E M A N T A. Uh, and what they do is they actually will allow you to promote your content, um, in a, in an automated bid process across any of those platforms. So you basically just say, Hey, here's the piece of content I want to promote. Here's the, the CPC that I'm willing to pay, go optimize that spend and that budget, um, across different platforms based on either reach, or you can even optimize on engagement, which is really a, a I think an effective measure. So it's got to be one guy who comes comes along and aggregates it all, right? right. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, and I should say there are other platforms like, uh, um, you know, I'm sure there are other platforms that I haven't used or don't have, you know, so if I've missed anybody out there, I'm sorry that I missed you, but um, those are the ones that I ha- I'm pretty familiar with. So I want to I come back to that point you were making earlier, and, you know, I, I don't want us to, to treat it so much as a golden rule, but, you know, 50% of the budget we should consider to maybe putting towards distribution and promotion. And I think, you know, some people, when they think about content, they don't always think about some of the existing, you know, we're, we're drawn to content marketing because it was so cost effective. Yes, we need human capital, but human capital is often a different budget. So, I'm just wondering, just to kind of challenge you on that, do you think it's 
purely a matter of you know, taking budget away from creation, especially for those of us who haven't turned to more, um, you know, interactive forms of content, say like video and, and, you know, infographics that may cost us more to produce. Um, or do you think it's a matter of being armed in your company to go and make the push to take budget, not necessarily purely from content creation, but either you know, from other demand gen techniques that we may be doing or net new budget that you just have to make a good case for? Yeah. And again, another really big question. And it, you know, my, as a, maybe I'm, and Jeff, maybe I'm a content marketing purist from this standpoint. Um, but, uh, but Randy, to your question, I, you know, I would argue, and if, I don't know if we'll get in or have time to get into the future of content marketing, but I, you know, I see continuing demands for more content, uh, creation, uh, budget. So we are living in a much more visual sort of society, like you, like you sort of alluded to. Interactive content is really important. I think personalization is really important. Um, I think technology in general can support, you know, from both of your companies. I think um, are things that that we're going to need to invest in as we move forward in content marketing. So I will come back to the statement, and I'm, I've, I've, you know, I've been pretty vocal about this in. Um, you know, in public, I'm not afraid to say that, you know, if you're spending a lot of money on banner ads and digital display, um, I, you know, I just challenge you as a CMO or as a marketing budget holder as to whether that's an effective use of, of budget, um, whether you can track that investment at all to something that you can quantify. Um, and so, so, you know, coming back to your question, absolutely. I think it's a matter of going after existing marketing budget that is either not trackable at all or where the return on investment isn't there. And so, for example, you know, I love to say, what's the ROI of putting your logo on a stadium or on a golfer's hat? And um, it's not to say that there isn't value there, but to maybe take some of the money away from a, a, an, an effort like that, which is very hard to, to, to track and measure the ROI on. Um, and to put some of that money into promotion of thought leadership, helpful, customer-focused content where you can track every single dollar to leads and sales. And so that's the question that CMOs are going to face, I think, going forward in the future of content and the future of content marketing. So so to, to just sort of summarize, I think the approach is to go after existing advertising paid promotion dollars that are currently being, in my opinion, often wasted or are simply unmeasurable. So that that is a great way to think about it, Michael, where actually examine things that aren't working and shift that money around to things that have been proven to work. And it also sounds like you kind of answered the future of content marketing question a little bit. So we'll, we'll set that one aside for now. Um, if someone is thinking about starting content marketing. In other words, everybody says they're doing it. Lots of people think they do it well, but when push comes to shove, it turns out they're not necessarily getting the effective results that they might, that they might have expected. You've written a book called The Content Formula, and I'd love for you to share kind of the, the premise of the premise of the idea and, and what is the content formula as somebody could enact it in their business. 
Um, yeah, no, thanks, Jeff. I wasn't uh, planning on plugging plugging the book, and so I appreciate the opportunity. But, but you know, to be honest, it wasn't like the book that I had imagined myself writing when I was, you know, fifteen or something like that, and um, you know, a, a big fan of literature. <laughs> but it, it came up because it was a question that came up from so many different clients and so many, especially senior level CMO type. Uh, marketers uh, who were really challenging whether you could measure the return on investment in content marketing. And and so the premise of the book was to answer that question. We start the book by saying that oftentimes the question comes as more of a defense mechanism. And what I mean by that is traditional marketers who love being who love seeing their source of power coming from their advertising budget. You know, like if you go to a consumer especially in the consumer space um, you know, a lot of CMOs on the consumer side see their base of power existing solely because the CEO wants them to spend a lot of money to get their name out and to splash their logo on stadiums and golfer hats and 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 race cars and all those kinds of things that uh, you know I, I I really just frankly question the effectiveness of. Um, and and so you know the number one thing was to say that if you're asking that question as a defense mechanism because you just don't you know you don't want to lose your base of power from an advertising budget perspective then this book's not for you. The book was a very serious consideration of how do you answer the ROI question for content marketing and and it starts with the premise that content marketing is infinitely more measurable than traditional marketing techniques. And there is a very simple process to measure it. So it starts with that sort of premise. It's an answerable question. And so we sought to answer it. We didn't, you know, really didn't see a good coverage of this question out in the marketplace. Um, and so in about four months, uh, my co-author and I kind of banged out this book um, uh, and got it self-published up on Amazon. And we have really been uh, surprised and, and you know, pleasantly surprised with the, the amount of traction it's gotten. The basic premise, there's three parts of the book. You know, how do you build the business case for content marketing? How do you find the budget for it? And how do you measure the results specifically? Um, building the business case is pretty simple. It's basically uh, my favorite trick is to, um, and I've done this with CMOs, sit down and, and run an ROI report using whatever CRM system or marketing automation tool you might have. Uh, and, and every time I've done that, what we've seen is that companies have about 40 or 50% of their marketing tactics have absolutely zero measurable results. And, and most people think, wow, that can't be true. And it is. It, there's, there's sometimes good reasons for it. Like, you know, you might hold an event and you're supposed to capture leads and your, your event team just forgets or the leads don't get uploaded. I mean, sometimes there's good reasons behind it. But for a lot of those tactics, they just don't work. And, and so, you know, you might spend $100,000 on a banner ad that doesn't drive any clicks. And that's one example. Um, and so the first step in building the business case is to look at your existing marketing investments measured in some way, in some you know, quantifiable way, and to shift investment into content marketing. That's, that's building the business case. Um, another way to think of it is content marketing is the ability to reach, engage, and convert people you would have never reached if you just did paid promotion, banner ads, logos on stadiums. Um, so building the business case is essentially um, a, 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 a business case against traditional marketing in some ways, or at least in, I guess you could say against unmeasurable marketing activities. Um, finding the budget is the same way. It's uh, taking those areas that you've found that, that are underperforming or unmeasurable and shifting budget into content marketing. And then the third part is whether your objective is uh, reach or awareness, um, engagement or brand health or you know conversion or retention really the four main objectives of any marketing program, awareness, engagement, conversion, and retention. Um, we've got specific measures or metrics that you can use 
to define the actual ROI, quantifiable ROI. And I'll give you just you know two or three quick examples. Um, the way to measure the ROI of content marketing in um, awareness is what are you spending on paid search because you don't rank organically. And so um, you know, I know a lot of clients are spending money on paid search just because they simply don't show up first when someone types in a really popular search term like mar- marketing automation software. If Oracle doesn't show up first, you might be spending money on paid search when you could invest that. And I'm not picking on Oracle because you guys do a great job over there, Jeff. Um, but, but that's why we do those things. And, and when you do that, you can look at your cost per click in paid search. And then you can identify the value of that traffic that you might be getting organically. That's a really simple way to measure the value of organic search traffic and awareness. Um, Reaching people you would have never reached if you didn't do content marketing. Um, My favorite measure of success for content marketing is, um, is subscribers. And the reason for that is that subscribers to content marketing content um, are not just a great way to optimize uh, content. You mentioned, Jeff, it's a great way to measure the value of paid, um, of paid activities, is what's the cost per subscriber of doing a paid, um, paid content promotion. Um, but subscribers have value. And, and the simple way to calculate that is any money you've ever generated from your email database divided by the number of people in your list equals the value of any new subscribers you can get to that list. And so there's a great, I think, simple way for you to value the ROI of content marketing when you're driving subscribers and you're optimizing on subscribers just based on the fact that subscribers are, are folks that you can email and nurture and, and in a predictable way. And, and you know, after calculating the conversion rates, you can get to the value per subscriber. So that, that's great. I, I love those examples, Michael. It really drives that point home for people. And before we get to our last question, just one one last sponsor read. I just want to remind everybody that Toronto in August is beautiful. Randy's company, Uberflip, is having an event, the Uberflip Experience. And you can learn more about that by going to uberflip.com slash experience. Content marketing is all about creating great experiences. And Randy and his team have will create this great experience in person, live in Toronto, the end of August. Last time I mentioned that Randy will shake your hand if you show up and say you're from, you heard it on Content Pros. Well, I will be there also, and I will also shake your hand if you say you heard this announcement on Content Pros. So looking forward to seeing you uh, August 24th and 25th in Toronto at the Uberflip Experience. Yeah, and, now that you raise the stakes, people are going to actually come, Jeff. That's that's. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, maybe we can talk about some some selfies with the right sort of cajoling. Get your picture taken with Randy and Jeff from Content Bros. Toronto. There you go. August 2016. <laughs> it's like the tour. So, Michael, the the way we like wrapping up our conversations with our guests is we just like to get to know a little bit more about them. When you were growing up. You you have already expressed you had an interest in literature, but what was it that you wanted to be uh, when you were younger? Thinking as you looked forward towards your the career of your life. Yeah, I mean, I've already kind of give I've already kind of given the answer, and it's um I you know it's funny when I was younger, um I, like you know grade school, I actually thought I wanted to be an engineer because I thought you know I just you know it's not a, not necessarily appreciated architecture, but I just thought the art and the act of building things would be pretty cool. Um, and then as I got, I think, into high school, I started to realize that you have to have to actually be good at math in order to be an architect. And, um, 
you know, math, uh, you know, sort of uh, geometry, trigonometry, not really my strong suit. So, um, but, but yeah, you know, and I always had a real appreciation. I mean, actually, I actually read books, um, without being forced to. And, um, uh, and so, you know, started to think about, you know, whether that was something, you know, becoming a creator of some kind, uh, you know, sort of if, if, if I can't be an engineer, cause I'm not great at math, you know, how can I still create things? And, and, you know, having always loved, uh, you know, sort of losing myself, you know, in the summertime on the beach, uh, reading books, even as a kid, uh, you definitely started thinking about that and, and then took, you know, majored in English lit, uh, when I was in college, I read almost, I think, I think I read every single word Hemingway has ever written. Um, and, uh, and, and a few other authors as well. So, yeah, so, you know, really, uh, um, I think in a way I feel like I've achieved my, my goal of becoming a writer, although I haven't written the great piece of American fiction that I hope to re- to write at some, uh, to, uh, at some point, but, um, but I have uh, just recently been a published author and, and working on the next one as well. That's great, Michael. And on behalf of us, uh, we're glad you went this route. So, uh, good, good to have you in the industry. Good to have, uh, you know, your involvement. And, you know, for those who, who want, you know, to dig a little bit deeper with Michael, I, I urge them to check out, you know, both his book, which obviously you can get, um, you know, and, and Jeff already alluded to that earlier, but, um, also check out the marketing insider group. If your company needs some, some advice, you know, I would, I would definitely encourage you to, you know, to tap on, on Michael's back. Um, for those who have joined us, thank you for joining yet another episode of content pros. Again, I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. By my side is Jeff Cohen from Oracle marketing cloud. Uh, if you have any feedback for us, please come to contentprospodcast.com. You can also check out other podcasts that we've had there. Uh, We're already into our third season here. Lots more to come. And please leave leave us a review on on places like iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts so that we can continue to bring you content that's appealing. Thanks so much. Until next time, take care. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by ClearVoice Content Marketing Software, Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by...